You are listening to the Techie Leadership Show with Bogdan and Andrei. Hello and welcome to the Techie Leadership Show. Today with me I have Gary Campbell. He has 20 plus years of professional leadership experience ranging from health center leadership, human resources, contingent workforce program development and procurement successfully developing, coaching, and transforming individuals and organizations to succeed by helping unleash potential through impactful leadership. Being a certified go-giver speaker, Gary speaks all over the U.S. on all things leadership, motivation, and what it means to create a culture of excellence in the workplace to become an employer of choice. Hi, Gary, and welcome to the show. Well, hello there, and thank you for having me. I'm, I'm honored to be here. You, you covered pleasure, me well. My pleasure. <laughs> well, do you want to add anything else to that? I, you know, I think you, I think you hit it all. You know, I've been around now for over 25 years, so I've been able to work in a, a variety of industry, and it's, um, yeah, you learn on each one of them. So thank you. I think you hit it good. Yeah. Well, a quarter of a century of experience in leadership. I cannot get. Cannot wait to get to the stories. They must be amazing. Okay. They're interesting. It's just a shame I can do only two of them. Ah, <laughs> true, true. Wow. So, with which story would you like to start? Would you want to start with the success story, or do we want to start with the failure story? Well, I, when I I think that I want to start with the failure story because that led to the success story. I've had two success stories, and I can be brief on them both, but. The failure was what led to probably one of the greatest successes that I've I've been part of. But in 2007 uh, or leading into 2008, I worked for a small firm. Uh, Well, they weren't so small at the time. It was called Ensemble Chimes Global. And they were the largest vendor management system, managed service provider in the space for contingent labor. So, and they were all over the world with a global platform. And we had the, uh, you know, my client was Bayer Corporation. So Bayer, the large pharmaceutical chemicals company, and we yes. were based, or the group at the time was based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And Ensemble Chimes Global, they started off as Ensemble, and then they purchased Chimes, which was a household name in that managed service provider vendor management system space. Okay. And in the, in, the, in the first week of January of 2008, the company went bankrupt. And what happened, what drove the bankruptcy and nobody saw it coming was uh, unfortunately the owners had been uh, really kind of using the organization as a personal piggy bank. And had, uh, you know, the the creditors had gotten, uh, I guess had gotten wind of that and they froze their assets and ultimately shut down the business. And you know, everything, this, once the business shut down, you had hundreds of thousands of people, temporary employees all over the world, suddenly weren't going to get paid. And then, yeah. so that was where, and when I viewed that, I viewed that as you really had two owners that were entrusted with thousands of lives and millions and millions of dollars that, uh, and actually billions of dollars that, um, nice. You, you know, you talk about trust and, and, you know, I don't know how they got that. I never met them in person, but I certainly worked closely with people who knew them. And uh, I don't think anybody saw this coming. 
So I looked at that as a really a failure of leadership because clearly uh, personal agendas got in the way of what was beneficial for the whole. And um, so I don't know what led to that, but ultimately that was, uh, you know, when we viewed that as my team and the group that reported to me, we were all shocked and it put the whole industry and you can go back and Google this from, you know, 2008. It's been, it's a bit of a distant memory now, but it shocked the whole contingent workforce industry at the time. So that led, that led to a success. And what we decided to do, you know, I had a client, which was Bayer Corporation, which was one of the, one of their larger clients. And I had been affiliated with Bayer from some experiences in the past. And I had a passion for contingent workforce management. And I liked the program and the platform that it existed on. And I like, I really enjoyed my team. So, you know, with just, you know, just with influential leadership and, and, and the way that I aspire to lead, which is you model the way you serve others, you put others before self. I got on the, I got on the phone and, and really got two or three people that I felt would be interested in trying to propose something totally out of the box for our client bear corporation. And so um, they were a little reluctant because we were getting calls from all over, all over the the world to, um, you know, to, to, to come and work for these other companies because clearly everybody wanted these large clients to be pulled under some of the larger groups. Like, I mean, in this, in, in this space, you had the, Adecos, which which was Beeline, you had um, IQ Navigator. Now I've, I have been out of this space for a while, but you had you know Kelly Services. All of these had large platforms, and you know certainly had deep pockets to support these things. But we had a plan. We wanted to. We were passionate about this work, and so we pulled the group together. And I met with my senior leader in Pittsburgh, and we proposed to Bayer to bring the program in house. And part of that process was we found the developer of the software because in a, in a bankruptcy, you can't use anything that falls under the purview of the existing relationship. So we okay. Googled and found the software developer at midnight uh, on the, I guess the night of the ninth or so I called him and we got the wow. developer to license another version of the platform we were using at the time in order for us to move all the data over and continue to payroll thousands of people and to serve our client Bayer in the most appropriate fashion. And we did it out of sense of purpose. We didn't do it because we all had offers on the table to go get, we could have gotten money. We could have taken on these big jobs. We could have done a lot of different things, but we were so passionate about what we believed in. We believe in the people that we serve. We believe in our client who believed in us. And in doing so, we were, uh, we, we set the, the wheels in motion for now what's called internally managed programs. And now companies all over the world are, are really managing their own contingent workforces in house. And so that was born out of that crisis. And it became, um, we, we were on panels. We, we got to speak nationally about it. We were asked, we, we, we authored a host of articles on it, but it really was, it is evolved around building trust, servant leadership, and believing in each other. That was the success that we still talk about to today. That's amazing. And it basically disrupted the whole, the whole industry. It disrupted the entire industry. And this, 
And what we were able to accomplish in less than three weeks was almost unheard of. And, and, and I remember sitting across the table from a lot of these uh, bigger organizations that Bayer had brought in to determine where do, we, where do we go with this platform? And if you think about it, if you are a large corporation like Bayer and, you, and, and your parent company is in Leverkusen, Germany, and the pressure yes. is on you to make a decision that could impact the global footprint of things, and they trusted us enough to say, let us do this internally. We believe we can do it internally and manage this, and we were able to save quite a bit of money as well. So um, it, it was it was it was remarkable. I, I mean, it's something that I'll never forget about. It's it's an amazing story, and I really like the transition from uh, from the failure and how fast you pivoted to to success and actually use the failure to, as an opportunity. You didn't get down, oh my God, I lost my job, I now I have to find another you. And, and that's something that the leader, in my opinion, does. It's like, you get other people and say like, okay, we have this failure, but there's also an opportunity in it. What can we do and how, how can we move forward from this point? Absolutely. Absolutely. Even to, even in today's crisis with the COVID crisis and with things that we're seeing uh, globally as it relates to um, uh, the climate of the of the cultures now, how do we, if you look at things in a way, how do we make things better as a result of that? How do we look at it as an opportunity versus uh, reacting to situations that are out of your control? So um, again, I think that's that's really how we view it and how I viewed it as a leader. And that's how I viewed it in my entire career. And going a little back to the, the failure story, what do you think that happened there that drove the company that it looked like it was really successful and it was making money and it was out of business like overnight? You know, it, it, we all speculate. Um, I think that yes. sometimes that uh, if it were, you know, just opinion based, is it, you know, maybe it was, I think things got out of hand. I think it may have been initially the um, initially it was the two owners that um, whether it was for greed, whether it was for personal utilization, and I, I really don't know what possessed that that behavior because it was a it was a successful company, and and again as I mentioned at the time, I believe they were the largest in the space, uh, and they it really they were capturing business all over the world, and so. I just don't know. I can't speak to what would have possessed that behavior other than to say it got out of control. And do you find, Gary, like based on all your experience, that putting your personal agenda on top of uh, the health of the business it usually leads to bad results? It does. Um, you know, I'll, I have a saying that um, putting, putting yourself before others uh, you may enjoy short-term success with that, but ultimately it catches you. There is a threshold of, uh, or I should say, a, a ceiling on how far you can go with that. And it, and we're seeing, I mean, we're seeing, you know, changes, um, ec, you know, expeditious changes in how people expect leaders to behave. And really, when you when you talk about empathetic leaders or servant-based leaders who truly put others ahead of themselves 
That's what people want. And the, I think that is what assures longer term success. For sure. And it's all about reputation because it takes a whole bunch of time to build a good reputation. And if you spoil it, especially at that level, that's the company went overnight. It was like, in, especially in that field, it's something that it's not that easy to, to forget. And it will probably be something that um, it's going to, it's going to hurt you on, on moving on doing business moving forward because it's not it's not that easy to <laughs> to justify it <laughs> no and you know andre it's i, I do a, i do a, a I speak on personal brand and when yes. you uh, think about personal brand uh, as you would a, a corporate brand or a nonprofit brand it's what you want to be perceived as through others through through other people's eyes uh, it is, and as we gravitate up and move towards the leadership level and leadership ladder, there's much more expected of us how we nurture and protect ourselves and protect our brand. Because you're right, you build trust one step, one block at a time. And you have yes. to be really careful, especially with social media, um, interactions with customers, interactions with each other, you know, interactions even at home in your communities. How are you behaving? 24 hours a day and how do you lead and what are others seeing in you because it is you know, unfortunately we live in a society that's quick to judge and quick to move in a different yes. direction and quick to react so it's and on social us. media uh, social media on us as leaders we have to control that narrative and it is that's why it's so important at every level to lead in a way that create uh, create optics of someone whose integrity is above all if you would have like for somebody you would have to give them like a crib sheet on how to create a strong personal brand, like what would you write on it? Like what would you say to that person? Oh, I tell, I, I, I always, um, when I'm talking about people in their personal brand, you know, I, I always say, think of three things, you know, think of impact, destiny and legacy. And I, I say, if you start with your legacy, your legacy while you're living, and you have the closest people in your life sitting around the table and they want to talk about your life. How do you want that conversation to go? And then I swing back to the impact side and say, okay, what are we doing to make positive impacts on other people's lives? And that is when we talk about personal brand and when you make a positive impact, I always say, I used to tell my kids this, never put anything in writing or, or when you're on social media and when you're out in, in the public somewhere or you're even in the workplace, uh, anything you're doing, it's like the old saying when years ago, you know, if, when you write an email, you know, how would you feel if that email was on 60 minutes or was on a billboard somewhere? So I always say when you're, when your life is on full display, think of how you're impacting other people's lives. And then the second piece of it is talking about your destiny. I always tell people that you own your own destiny. And the way you do that is through the impact that you're making on other people's lives. And that leads to that legacy conversation that I mentioned at the start is how do you want that conversation to go? Again, controlling the narrative. So it's about nurturing and protecting the personal brand in a way. 
I always tell people, treat it like your most prized possession. Whatever is most valuable to you in your life, treat your personal brand just like that. Yeah. And, and that's that's something important because like what you mentioned here, like impact, destiny, and legacy, it's overarching than what um, I was thinking about personal brand is like um, have like a nice picture on social media, tweet cool stuff or anything like that. It, it, it's looking at it basically what other people are going to, what are, what are they talk about you when you're not there, especially after you're dead. <laughs> and that's really yeah. important. It's true. And, you know, I was, the type of leader, you know, I think one of your, uh, one of your um, initial thought provoking questions to me was, you know, what really drives the, the leadership? What really makes a, a good to great leader? Yes. And it is your purpose and your values. And your values and purpose, essentially, is your why statement. You know, why do you exist? And I, you know, and I go back to the personal brand when I'm talking to especially emerging leaders and young leaders. It, you have to know why you exist and why you are in the place you're in. And, and again, we all know that not every income producing venture is going to be your passion, but it may lead to where you ultimately need to be. And all those experiences add up. And what are you bringing to each experience that shows your values in action and puts on display your purpose and your why? So, uh, I mean, that can be a very broad statement. But if you think in those terms, they have to align with the ultimately with where you want to go. Yes. And now just thinking about it, you're absolutely right. Some businesses are not sexy businesses to be in. Like even like, for example, garbage disposal. Mm -hmm. But if you have like a purpose and a value of helping people and making their lives better, you're going to drive that business to provide the best services possible to provide like a good work environment for the people working in it. So it, sometimes I feel it gets distorted. Everybody wants to be in a business that they love the thing the business does, mm -hmm. but you can be in love with something that transcends the business itself. Absolutely. Um, I, I used to do a lot of work with Canon, uh, Canon camera, the Canon camera company uh, yes. down at Newport News, Virginia. And I remember doing a course one day and I asked about purpose. I said, what drives you? What, what's your why? And I'll never forget, but one of the frontline supervisors had been in the same job for 27 years on the camera repair line. And I'm thinking, how do you get, how do you get a why out of that? And I asked, I said, yes. would you mind sharing your why? And his comment to me was that his group and his line were responsible for repairing cameras for the small business owner. And he says, if a small business owner, if it's a one person business owner that makes their living on shooting weddings, um, uh, showers or whatever that person might take pictures of, yes. then the longer that camera's down, the more impact negative impact it has on the business owner which makes business. yeah and that person took that to mean i have to get this camera back online so that this person can feed his or her family or provide value to their customers that you know otherwise it may not happen and i really thought this person has thought about the broader purpose of why they come to work every day doing something that maybe others wouldn't think twice about on a line of camera repair 
and the 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 um, the Canon Digital Group that day, I was very impressed with. So um, I won't forget that why. Yes, and it's a powerful why. Just thinking about it, it's it's moving quite. And also, do you find it, Gary, that the more you focus on helping people and raising them up, it actually improves your life, business life, personal life, like all domains. It's like the tide that lifts our boats. It does. Um, it absolutely does. I just I wrote a blog on positivity a couple of months back. And if you think about what other people, you know, the majority of people appreciate the positive outlook because positive and confidence kind of go together. If yes. if someone has a positive experience in, in their interactions with you, confidence develops on on whether it's a personal relationship or a business relationship, but just a happier healthier relationship develops with that and you know and we all know that certainly not everybody gets out of the bed every day with a fist in the air saying it's going to be a positive day but if we can take and look at things and find the positives versus the negative and try to create that positive uh, outlook then you know that certainly uh, that is so beneficial to the people that you're doing life with, and it does uplift people because that they people will gravitate to a positive influence in their life. That Absolutely. is so important, so important. And from my own experience, it doesn't mean that you have to be positive all the way. At least from from my point of view, it's just when you're talking with people and interacting with them and don't let them put themselves down uh, always try to lift them up and be even and people are going to return the favor and when you do to yourselves the same stuff the same kind of negative behaviors they're going to help you because you help them That's and right. it becomes like a it becomes like a circle that feeds itself and everybody <laughs> gets better at least yeah. that's what i found from my experience well you know i always tell when i'm doing when i'm speaking to larger audiences or organizations I used the I used the example of getting friendly with your IT department and I said you know okay. if, if you are if you're an individual contributor or you're a leader of a specific group I said there's one group you want to make sure that you're very positive with with your interactions and your conversations and that is the IT group and so they want to know you know why um, you know why that's the case I said because you depend on them for so much and I said if you yes. approach them in a positive manner you're gonna see that they may help you a little quicker than they'll help somebody else I said but that's just human sure. nature I said it is positivity being transferred back and forth both ways and it was just just an interesting example that we share when we're talking about building relationships uh, and commu and doing communications and how we do that in ways that generate goodwill bi-directionally. Yeah, and this is great advice professionally is treat your IT guys really well. Absolutely. Because when it, when it hurts, you're going to find out how much you depend on technology. <laughs> and yeah, if you're negative, if, if you have a bad outlook towards your IT people, um, they may be a little slower in responding to your, your really important critical needs. <laughs> so they won't forget that. I wouldn't forget it. 
yeah it's something that happens it's uh, it's not uh, it's it's life so it's life don't don't complain about it just be proactive and be a little bring a little sunshine in their lives that's exactly and gary, right. you, and gary you promised two success stories so i we got one uh, i'm just curious oh, about the second yeah really quickly um i took over as the ceo of johnson health center in lynchburg virginia back in 2014 and when i did that that was my this is my first experience in the nonprofit world uh, but when i did our health center was in trouble as we couldn't retain key people. We couldn't, we couldn't recruit physicians. Our staff was siloed. Um, our credibility in the community was almost non-existent. And so we committed, or I committed back in 2014 to create an employer of choice environment at Johnson Health Center. And I committed to all the employees and in, in our leadership team. And, you know, I just said, I, I was very honest with them. I said, not everybody's going to make the journey. I said, but the ones that do will reap the rewards of what it feels like to work in a culture that cares for its people. And I told all of the employees that day back in 2014 that going forward, employees would be first. And we took that stand back then. And it was uh, over the next 21 months, we did a lot of heavy lifting. Uh, some people left, including people off my leadership team. And we put the people on the team that, again, saw that the glass was half full, saw the potential, saw the positivity, saw what we could do to unleash potential in others. And what we did with that, and in uh, February, I'm sorry, May of 2016, we became certified by Employer Choice International as a, an Employer Choice. We were the first health center ever to be named Employer Choice. And that was an oh. achievement. And this, this came out of the original um, Roger Herman, Joyce Joya, Employer Choice. They wrote the book on Employer Choice back in 2000. And everything you see that have come since then has really piggybacked off of their initial, their initial studies on what it took to be an Employer Choice. And I got to know Joyce Joya a little bit, and, and they're the group that certified us. And what that has done for our culture, it, it is a, uh, it, we're able to project outwardly what we expect of people, and we drive it with core values. And we live those core values in everything we do. And we don't just have them plastered on the wall. We truly do everything by our five core values, and that has driven an employer choice culture. And so that was the, uh, that I always wanted to work for an employer of choice. I didn't know I'd have the ability to create an employer of choice until I became a CEO. Yeah. So it was one of those things. I remember sitting around the table with my executive team in February of 2016, and they had met privately without me. And they call me in and they say, Gary, we don't think we're ready. We don't think we're ready because a survey was, was going to have to go out and they were going to basically get the voice of the customer, our internal customer. Yes. And, the 28 questions, the majority are based on leadership. How are you being led? And my, uh, I don't make too many executive decisions that go against the recommendations of my executive team, but I did that day. I said, well, here's what we're going to do. We're going to go regardless. And if we're not ready, we'll know it. And then we will know where to address things. And I said, and these questions go to us as leaders. But when we got the results back, we were the highest culture scores at the time that Whoa. voice had ever seen. 
And, um, and that was just, I think that spoke to our commitment to create a great place to work. So that was a, that was my, I, I wanted that in my entire life. And so we, we did it, we got it. And then now we've had to work very hard to keep it that way, but you know, that's okay. And we knew the commitment going in. We knew the commitment that it would continue to have uh, to be put forth. And I, I do it every day and I still do it every day. I try to be visible. We've, we've doubled in size since then, but uh, my, 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 you know, my approach is visibility and taking time with people and, and actually taking real time and, and getting to try to get to know as many people as I can. Um, I can't do that with everybody, but I do get to, I, I make my way around to our nine locations and talk to our employees to, to find out what's on their mind and their hearts. Yeah. And the one piece that I'm really impressed and you gave me like a good, a good idea is like, if you want, you have like a life goal and aspiration try and make it happen at your current employ employment place mm -hmm. because if everything doesn't go as you plan at least you get experience so yeah. you have higher chances next time so don't be afraid of doing that and i'm really curious gary because you said like you, you created a culture where actually all all the members of the company were leaving the five uh, core values of the company how do you do that we embedded them in the job descriptions. We embedded in that. We, we put the five core values on the front slide of every presentation we do. I talk about them at every staff meeting. I've been doing it for six years and we do awards based on it. We do performance management based on it. We hire based on it and we terminate based on it. So in any time we have an employment action or an organizational action, it always references one or more of the five core values and that's respect oh. integrity teamwork innovation and excellence and so um we built how those core values came into play was actually before i took over the health center i was the director of human resources and i led a core values creation team and we brought in employees from all over the all over the company and for three weeks we hashed out what it meant to work at johnson health center and we had, I'll never forget, we started with, we had 37 values and we narrowed them down to five. And so once we had the five, wow. these were values that I came up with on, on, by myself or my leadership team came up with. These are values that the employees contributed to from the heart of what it means to be an employee here. And once we had those values, that's how we started to hire because we wanted to bring people in who could, you know, who could buy into those values and say, yes, I want to live that way. Or I do live that way. Or, and again, if, and if they get, you know, nobody, we can't be perfect, but because we do hire people that don't use that sometimes don't work out, yes. but move on. But it, you know, they, it has to be a values based thing. And, and if you take action and you truly, if you truly activate them and you talk about them and you live them and don't just lip service them, you get all sorts of momentum from everyone in the organization because they do feel that and they feel that that is how um, it's not just lip service. Yeah. And, and I like, like the solutions, the idea of having all the major processes revolve around the core values. Yeah. And it, it's, and I think it's key. The fact that you had like 
the evaluation of performance will also be related on the core values because uh, the first I, I i in my opinion is that the first evaluation everybody was there when they saw that they get evaluated based on the five core values they said like this is for real it's happening and uh, it's not lip service because in most companies that i worked we build the values and everything it was done together but then on, when it matters especially like for each individual person working in the company evaluations or feedback or anything they never got mentioned ever again so it yeah. was just like only in the presentations and this is our core values and everything but uh, as, as a person working inside the company you didn't think that they hinder you or help you progress more if you have the core values it was they were like <laughs> with all value. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it, you have to, um, most companies, I hate to say it, um, my, the majority of companies operate in, a, in the way you just mentioned. And when I speak on core values in, uh, in a leadership, um, either leadership development training or just a leadership, uh, if I'm keynoting somewhere and I talk about the core values, uh, people ask questions. They want to know. Well, how, you know, we have them, but we don't. We don't. We don't talk about them, or we don't. Yeah, they. Yeah, we have them. Some of them don't even have them. But you know, it's really. <laughs> yes. It's surprising. Uh, it's it's refreshing when I run across a a firm that does have them and does apply them. And but it's but it's not often. So yeah, not often. Yeah, and uh, and another thing that I find key. Because I, I struggled with this in some past uh, capacities, that you could make the made the statement like, "Look, where it doesn't work, the system is broken now. We're going to overhaul it, and not everybody's going to make it." Mm -hmm. And it's not because we don't want you to make it; is that you will not fit inside the company anymore, and you will want to to move on because you don't embrace the core values or something else. Uh, it's not that we don't want you because sometimes companies, when they want to change and progress and take big, take like a big swing they also want to keep everybody happy and it doesn't work that way you need to break some eggs to make an omelet <laughs> i like that i like that you're you're 100 percent right and i mean we all know that as human beings we don't we're not really wired to like change um you know change doesn't come as easy for some as it may seem to come for others but frankly we're Change is we're not really wired to like change. We like things kind of stable. And, I, and when you do a big, yes. a big change, you have to be transparent and you have to understand that people are going to resist in a way that uh, because they fear losing something. Because, you know, you're all you anytime there's a change, you, you're giving up something uh, in yes. hopes of something better coming along. And um, I think that's the big key. Some people don't want to give that up. And now, thankfully, when we did ours with the employer choice, it was the, ma the majority wanted to come along. But again, there were, uh, you know, there were a host of people who just didn't want to be on board with it. And some, like you said, some left on their own, uh, some left, you know, we helped them find a happy place somewhere else. So, um, yeah. Yeah, but, but you better because of it and you bring, you know, you bring the people in who do aspire to live those values in a different way. And that is true. And, that's also like, well, as you said, it's sometimes your job as, as a leader is to help people find better places where they're better suited. So don't, don't just let them stranded there. I also think sometimes you might realize that what we're doing is really great for the company, but I as a leader 
cannot take it there or I don't like the environment. And you yourself, when the journey is done, you have to prepare like a replacement for yourself so you can move on. That's right. For God's sake, don't don't leave the, the, the tra- in, in the middle of the transition. Lead until <laughs> the end of it when it's stable and then. <laughs> that is so true. So true. So it applies for everybody. It's not just uh, I'm going to stay for short, but some of you are going to leave. Even the leaders might leave. And with that, Gary, I'm really curious, what is your leadership philosophy? I believe, I believe, I believe wholeheartedly in, in servant leadership, putting self before others and, make, and being authentic and having people see that. Uh, you know, I do run a leadership group called Impact to Lead, and the model itself is based on you know, our ability to influence. Uh, you know, how, how do we inspire people? You know, how do I inspire? I want to be able to inspire people to a shared vision. And, and have a purpose and you know do that with building relationships with people to help them understand what their vision is and to help them achieve their own vision as well so it really is about putting others ahead of self when you do that the returns are are going to be exponential so it's it all works itself out in a in a great in a positive format when you put others first that's been my philosophy all along and do you find it, Gary, that it's it's really helpful and it takes like an organization to the next level when for each individual member, you basically, you, you inspire them, but also you take their personal vision, vision that they have for themselves inside the business and outside the business and you align it with the, with the team vision and the company vision. So it's all straight and they can see like how achieving the company vision is also going to help them achieve their own visions. Yeah, absolutely. It's, you know, one of the things that uh, we, we just interviewed a sports medicine physician who wow, you know, nice. hoping to be a, a team physician for one of these large universities. And I understand that at the same time, you know, we would love the person to join our firm and practice medicine until that time comes. So, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about was creating a, you know, creating a service line that would um, allow this individual to perform his craft while he prepares himself for for a greater greater calling somewhere else, and and so that's his vision. Um, it can align with our vision in the interim if we work out something to where you know we're you know we're served, he's served, our customers, which is our patients, are served. That's just one example. And that's, you know, and that's not the same in other places. Other places would say, well, we're not going to talk to you because that's not where we want to go. But there's, there's ways to do things that create value on, on all ends. And this even goes back to when I'm, and that's this, the conversations I like to have with people when I'm doing my, my, my site visits. I like to find out uh, whether it's through Zoom or WebEx or physical interaction, I like to know what, you know, what is on the minds of some of my frontline staff? You know, what are they, what are they aspiring to? Oh. And how do we, you know, how do we kind of work some of that in? We have a lot of internal options at, at our health center. So we've seen so many internal promotions and movement in the last five years that we actually had to put a, uh, a, a little, little more time between when people could take one job and move on to another job because people were taking advantage of opportunities to broaden their scope. And, um, when I go to orientations, I still do, I still drop in on orientations every so often. And I always tell people, 
we don't harbor any illusions of keeping you here forever. We just, what we guarantee you is you'll have the greatest experience as long as you let it happen that you've ever had working somewhere. And when you do leave, that you become a walking ambassador of your experience here because then oh, yes. that helps us. That that's that is word on the street that says it's yes. a great place to work or a great place to get an experience. So if, if we're looking ahead and we're not, you know, we're not assuming that we're going to be the stop place and stop gap. If we're going to think, if we're only going to think in our own bubble, we're going to be on that cycle, that constant cycle of turnover, uh, meaningless work, but that is not what we, that's not the kind of leadership we want here. And that's not how I'll eat. I will always looking ahead for the, the individual and how, it, what we do can impact their own future. Yeah. And I guess that now you still have like natural churn, but it's churn itself is not, it's no longer a problem for the company or it, it's way less than it used to no, be. No, the, the churn we have now, unfortunately, is churn that, um, that we promote when, when someone gains, um, and we, we have a very good reputation now. So um, we, we tend to get picked every so often from competing groups or, um, or somebody's moving out of the area and they go to do something different or they gain some skills and they, we may not have the next level up for that particular position, but they can go somewhere else. And we're seeing some of that and that's fine. It goes back to yes. what I said is as long as we can create walking ambassadors, I want people to pursue what's next. Uh, I did it myself. I mean, I, when I didn't, I, you know, I didn't stay at a, at a company longer than six years. And I would move into is when, when I felt like I'd hit a cap, I wanted to go in a different direction, take those experiences. Um, and another, another bit of advice is never burn a bridge and never talk negatively exactly. about your last experience. It is not beneficial to you. It's personal brand related. So, um, <laughs> you know, we all have bad bosses. We all go through bad experiences from time to time, but if you embrace those and use them to, um, to propel you in a positive fashion, that is where you, have that. you will have tons of success that way. And I see exactly why you got to be an employer of choice. Like, Thank you. I would give you just based on this conversation, I would give you the award. <laughs> so it's <laughs> awesome. We should talk more often. <laughs> Great. And Gary, uh, for aspiring leaders, what are the top three leadership tips you would have for them? Uh, just really be tr you know, transparent and positive in all your interactions. Um, be visible. Put yourself out there. Um, especially early leaders, resist the temptation of having crowd influence where it, where it promotes pulling back as opposed to moving forward. Um, true emerging leaders will do things that other people don't want to do and they become visible and they become, and they're, they're communicating, they're volunteering. Um, it's, it's really about creating the value that you bring to the workplace or the community or wherever you are involved in. It is where determining where you can create value and making it happen in a visible fashion, but to be very humble. Humility is yes. humility and empathy are the top two traits people are looking for in leadership today. So 
resist again egos can be really um difficult and even unintentional especially for young leaders resist that be humble and empathetic and serving those are things that i think and always learn listen listen more than you talk it's just so important yes. to always learn um that's the main thing is you know be quiet and listen and when you're referring to resist the temptation of uh, following um, the opinions of the crowd or the people around you is basically because your friends or people that know you are going to tell you how you should behave as a boss. And usually it's not that great of advice. <laughs> is that also yeah. included there? Yeah. yeah. So um, I think you, have to, you really have to, you, you know, it goes back. We talked earlier about values. You got to know your values. I know your purpose. Why do you exist? What these things are all important, and um, I mean, and then be, and again, be visible. That's serve others, exist to help others. That's boy, I tell you, if you can do those things and and just resist the temptation of uh, being influenced by a crowd of people who, and you're going to experience envy along the way because as young leaders move up, there are people, and they may at some point be supervising their friends or people that they work directly with. That's a hard move. Um, the key there is, is remaining positive, transparent, and open, but also understanding that we talk about change, and there's a there's a change factor that's happening with the folks that they have just left. So again, lots of things that an emerging leader has to think through. It's not easy. Leadership is a 24/7 commitment. 24/7. Yes, it is. So that's something they have to understand. When you step into a leadership role, you have to be prepared to sacrifice things. Again, we talked about personal brand. There's things that you 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 have to always guard your you know what you say, how you you know how you're acting in public or even in private for that matter. There's, you know there's things that you just have to be prepared to do as a as a leader. But it's worth it. It's worth it. It is, and it's also it's something. Um, I think that. All uh, aspiring leaders, they they better listen to this and understand it, do a double take. I'm sure that they're going to do the mistake because I was warned about pitfalls before I took like the next level in my career. And I still did the mistakes, but at least I knew the solution to it because I, I had conversations with wiser people than me. So and important. You're, you're, yes. And your advice on humility and empathy, empathy is really important because... When you're talking with, especially friends that you surpass, like in career or former colleagues, if you rub it in the, in their noses, uh, it's not going to be great for you, right? <laughs> not personally and not professionally. No, that's so true. So true. Um, and Gary, this is a question that I like a lot, and I'm really curious uh, what you're going to say, what how we're going to answer is. What is the book that had the most profound impact on you? Well, I've had, a, I've had a, like I said, with stories, I've had a couple of books. So to pick one would have been really tough. You know, okay. as I've grown, as I've gotten older and more experienced, I have to say the very first leadership book ever written was the Bible. And I've read it and I, the servant leadership piece applied to my principles. I really gravitated towards uh, caring for others. Uh, that was probably the one of the most influential books. The other is my good friend Bob Burke's Go Giver. Um, 
the way that book, yes. the way Bob and John David Mann laid that book out with the five laws of stratospheric success, that when I read that back in 2013, it grabbed my heartstrings and said, that's how I want to organize my thoughts and feelings towards leadership. And that book, and when I got to meet Bob Berg, drove me to launch Impact Elite. And that's what really propelled me to do the leadership speaking, the consulting, um, the, the, the mentoring, and the things that I get to do now. Was uh, it, it, I knew that I wanted to, but until I read his book, I didn't know that it was something I had to do. So, um, so those were the, those were the two books that you know I really got a lot of leadership uh, counsel from. And then, of course, I like John Maxwell stuff. Uh, you know, I, there's a host of things out there that I didn't, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading Extreme Ownership, those Navy SEALs. I'm looking forward to all of these types of things that. I mean, I have all these books I want to read. I just don't have, I haven't had time yeah. lately. So. Yes, exactly. That's a problem time. Yeah, it's a, it's a problem. <laughs> and I like to read. I still like to read. I don't, I'm not, I'll do the, um, I'll certainly do the books on audio, but I like to read. Um, another good one is Drive by Daniel Pink. It's a motivational, uh, how people want to be motivated. That's, we can go on and on about some of these ins inspiring reads. So, but yeah, it's, those are my, those are my recommendations. Um, it's, it's, it's leadership 101. <laughs> yes. All awesome books. And there are so many of them. Yes, they Jerry, are. If people want to find out more about you, where should they go? So um, we have a website. It's www.impact number two lead lead.com. And we also have a Facebook page, impact to lead Facebook page. I'm on Twitter. I don't do as much on Twitter as I probably should. Um, I'm on LinkedIn under my name, Gary Campbell. And, you know, I, I write a host of blogs that I, I, that I at least find, you know, and they're from experiences and, and people tend to um, uh, can, can relate to where they are in their own lives with that. So that's where you can find me. And now they can find me on your show. Awesome. And you have helped and me. I am really gracious for you coming to the show. I had like an amazing conversation with you and I got such, such wonderful advice on leadership. Thank you so much. Well, I'm honored I'm again. I really put, appreciate, appreciate it. I'm, I'm going to put uh, links to all your contact pages and social media on uh, in the show notes so people can more easily find them. Thank you so much, Gary, for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. It was, it was an honor. Have a great Same day. Here. Bye. Bye. That was today's episode. Tune in daily. Rate, like, subscribe and share please. Oh, you can find further info and materials in the show notes on techyleadership.com, including links to the guest book recommendations.